Clashes at a protest site in San Francisco and one of our own journalists attacked. This man vandalized one of the group's radios. He then turned around and took a swing at me. This as protesters gathered at APEC before President Biden's meeting with the Chinese regime leader. A powerful term times two, Biden again calling Xi Jinping a dictator. That comment and China's latest reactions. The Chinese regime is censoring a U.S. performing arts group in South Korea. We bring in the host of NTD's Capital Report to bring us the details of his investigation there. And a pair of iconic bamboo munching bears could soon return to American soil. With a Chinese leader calling pandas envoys of friendship, is the so-called panda diplomacy making a comeback? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we dive into today's news, make sure to use the link down below to subscribe to our newsletter. Each week, we round up the highlights and controversies happening around China and the world and share an exclusive behind-the-scenes snapshot with our readers. Keep an eye out. The newsletter will land in your inbox Friday morning. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Protesters gathered at the APEC summit in San Francisco on Wednesday ahead of President Biden's sit-down with the head of the Chinese Communist Party. They were holding banners calling to end the CCP's persecution of Falun Gong in China. But the event took a turn when an unidentified man started vandalizing the group's equipment and attacked NTD reporter Jason Blair. Take a look. This man vandalized one of the group's radios. I then took out my phone and started filming him, trying to deter any more vandalism, but he still came back and grabbed one of the banners. He then turned around and took a swing at me, aiming for my phone. Just then, a plainclothes police officer restrained him and got him to leave the area. The incident unfolded just a few blocks from the Moscone Center. Around there, heads of state and CEOs are met for APEC meetings. Protesters also seize the opportunity to make their voices heard. Human rights Demonstrations started to heat up outside of the hotel where the Chinese regime head is staying. On Wednesday, a few hundred pro-Tibet protesters marched up Fifth Street in downtown. They were shouting from, quote, Xi Jinping is not welcome here to down with the CCP and free Tibet. A few groups of Falun Gong practitioners also held banners there, calling to end the CCP's persecution of the practice in China. That's until a man, likely in his 20s, showed up. At around 10 o'clock, some pro-CCP group came over here. One of them, a boy, kicked and destroyed our speakers. He also pulled down one of our banners and assaulted someone. That's a crime in the U.S., and we already called the police. The pro-CCP group is reported to be hired by the New York Chinese consulate. In this case, it definitely felt like he had premeditated this. It wasn't like he was walking by and, you know, got in the spur of the moment. The CCP is known for carrying out transnational repression operations on U.S. soil. Blair said the attack reminded him of an incident in New York City's Flushing neighborhood in 2022. An Asian man attacked information stands that sought to shed light on the CCP's persecution of Falun Gong. He has since been charged with a hate crime and criminal mischief in the fourth degree. In America, we have freedom of speech, freedom of the press, but they don't have the right to you know, attack somebody and, and, and violently try to silence somebody or intimidate someone to not using their right for free speech. 
Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a peaceful cultivation practice based on the principles of truth, compassion, and tolerance. The practice gained popularity in China during the 1990s. That's until the Chinese regime turned the state against the practice in 1999 and started mass jailing and torturing the group. President Biden doubling down on an early comment calling the head of the CCP a dictator, while Biden says he's trying to avoid conflicts. He also stresses the need to compete with Beijing and counter its aggression. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the Filoli estate in San Francisco, where the U.S.-China meeting took place. So right before Biden left the press conference, it says that the head of the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, is a dictator, adding that China is a communist country. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country based on a former government totally different than ours. He also says that he brought up human rights issues, China's wrong detainment of U.S. citizens, as well as China's aggressive behaviors in the South China Sea. And as I always do, I raised areas where the United States has concerns about the PRC's actions, including detained and, ex and, uh, and, and exit banned U.S. citizens, human rights and corrective uh, coercive activities in the South China Sea. Biden also says that the U.S. rejects China's non-market practices, and thus as a senior Biden administration official told me that the U.S. is concerned over China's economic coercion toward U.S. allies such as Japan and South Korea. The two sides also agreed to resume military-to-military -military communications, which were cut off amid tensions. But China's aggression is still at the center of the spotlight, as the FBI have been warning about a rise in Chinese spy activities here in the U.S., and as there has been some 200 incidents of China's aggression military actions where PLA operators have performed reckless maneuvers or discharged chaff or shot off flares or approached too rapidly or too close to U.S. aircraft. And thus, as Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis warning in a recent op-ed that two parties, both parties in the U.S., have been treating the CCP like a friendly competitor, while in fact it's a hostile Marxist regime that will only continue to steal U.S. technology if the U.S. doesn't act strongly against it. Reporting in San Francisco, Iris Tao, NTD News. President Biden calling Xi Jinping a dictator once again, and China isn't pleased. The Chinese Foreign Ministry labeled Biden's remark, quote, extremely wrong and irresponsible political manipulation on Thursday. Also in the news, the Chinese consulate in Los Angeles reportedly turned its back on the students it hired to welcome Xi. Screenshots of group chat conversations posted online said the consulate promised them $400 stipend. But students say they only got $100. It also said some students wanted to pull out of participating in the event, but were threatened if they tried to leave. Outside of San Francisco, the Chinese embassy has denounced a report suggesting a heightening U.S.-China rivalry. A Washington advisory panel made that conclusion after examining rounds of high-level talks between the two superpowers in the last year. And the report was released just one day before President Biden's meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in San Francisco. The commission says that not only has China yet to take steps to better relations, the regime is also mobilizing its resources to advance global dominance, from building up its military to running influence operations on U.S. soil all of which make Beijing a top national security rival. According to the panel, the only way forward is long-term strategic competition.
American business leaders applauding a propaganda speech by Chinese Communist regime leader Xi Jinping. A member of Congress is now demanding answers, saying she commits genocide against innocent people. NTD's Irian Pazdar has more. Hundreds of American business leaders gave Chinese Communist leader Xi Jinping a standing ovation after a speech on Wednesday night. That's even though he offered no hints of concessions to business. The speech was propaganda at its finest. That's according to a business executive who spoke with the Wall Street Journal on condition of anonymity. Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher told the journal that it's unethical for Americans to celebrate a regime committing genocide against millions of innocent men, women and children in Xinjiang. Among the attendees of the dinner were executives from Apple, BlackRock, Pfizer, FedEx, Boeing and many others. Some of them paid over $40,000 just to sit at the same table as the communist dictator, something Gallagher today criticized heavily. He now wants the organizers of the dinner to release the names of all attendees. Ariane Pastar, NTD News. During the dinner with major U.S. business leaders, a number of absences have raised some eyebrows. In a 2015 visit, Xi Jinping invited Jack Ma, founder of Chinese tech giant Alibaba, to join him. But this time, barely any Chinese entrepreneurs were present at the dinner, despite it being hosted nearby Silicon Valley. U.S. tech leaders like Mark Zuckerberg also didn't attend. Just days after saying farewell, a pair of iconic black and white bears may soon be returning to the U.S. During a dinner speech with business leaders in San Francisco Wednesday, Chinese Communist regime leader Xi Jinping said China is ready to continue cooperation with the U.S. on panda conservation, calling the bears envoys of friendship. He went on to say he was told that Californians were looking forward to welcoming pandas back, hinting that the next couple of bears might end up in the state's San Diego Zoo. Beijing's panda lending program has long been seen as a form of soft diplomacy. The bears are loaned out to nations friendly to China for certain lengths of time and withheld as punishment for going against Beijing. Three pandas at Washington's National Zoo returned to China last week. That's after Beijing remained silent on renewing its panda contract, which expires in early December. San Diego bid farewell to its pandas back in 2019. While the bears staying at the Memphis, Tennessee Zoo returned to China this year. Just four are left in the U.S., but they too are expected to leave the Atlanta Zoo when their visiting contract expires late next year. A surprising influx of Chinese nationals crossing the border illegally is raising concerns from lawmakers. NTD's Melina Weisskup reports from Capitol Hill. For the third year in a row, the U.S. has hit a record high number of apprehensions at the border, 2.4 million in 2023. And that's not including the number of people who evaded Border Patrol, and many say they are the most dangerous one. Chinese nationals were apprehended at a rate of 24,000 in 2023. That's 12 times more than last year and a 7,000 percent increase from 2021. I mean, a lot of them are military-aged guys with former uh, ties not only to the CCP, but also the People's Liberation Army, the PLA. That's not to say that if we were to defend Taiwan against a Chinese invasion, there weren't saboteurs, wouldn't be saboteurs here. Chinese nationals on average pay $75,000 to be smuggled into the United States. And it makes you wonder where they get that money. Special interest aliens from China. What are they doing here? Are they being directed? Is there some larger intelligence? 
And when FBI Director Christopher Wray was asked specifically about this issue, he pointed to the non-traditional tactics that are used by the CCP to undermine our national security. There are individuals uh, who are affiliated with the Chinese government who are the subject of investigations that we have here, and some of those are people that we're searching for. Ray was also pressed on a different point, specifically the threat of Hamas-related terrorists in the United States. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene pressed the agency to do more to investigate the issue. And this hearing comes at a time when the committee is pressing forward to hold a second impeachment vote on DHS Secretary May Workis. The chairman of the committee, Mark Green, tells me that they're aiming to have this vote by the end of the year. Reporting from Capitol Hill, Helena Weiskopf, NTD News. Next, we shift to South Korea. There, the Chinese regime is censoring a performing arts company based in the U.S. Capitol Report host Steve Lance just returned from Seoul, where he and our Korea News Bureau dug deeper. NTD's Evan Lin Lee spoke to Steve to hear more on what he found. So it wasn't just what we're seeing this year. It's been kind of accumulation effect. Uh, there have been reports Shen Yun has traveled to South Korea, performed before, but over the years, things have gradually gotten worse for them. Uh, in 2016, uh, KBS, the largest broadcasting uh, uh, platform in South Korea, owns one of the nicest theaters there, and Shen Yun had sold out shows, and just two days before they, they were to perform, sold out performances, they were canceled. And so that, that initially caught our attention. Canceling a sold out show just doesn't make any sense. And so we went there to investigate. And, you know, the things that we found after talking to uh, multiple people, uh, even an official from the Chinese embassy in Seoul, uh, really lifted the, uh, the, the curtain here as to what's taking place. How strong of a grip do you think does the CCP have on Korea since you mentioned that it's been years? Well, yeah, I mean, to that point, um, when we first arrived, we actually uh, had a phone number for a CCP official uh, from the embassy, and we, we called him to find out uh, exactly what the, the, the Chinese Communist Party's policy is, specifically with regard to what they're doing with influencing South Korean officials and government and uh, private businesses to cancel Shen Yun, and he was open and told us their, their stance and what they do and that they will continue to do it. So I think that that actually speaks to the fact that the CCP is just so emboldened in South Korea, uh, let alone that, you know, they don't take our phone calls here when we, when we call for, uh, you know, inquiring about issues, but yet he picked up my phone, knew who I was, continued to talk to me and told me straight out what their policy is. So I think that, that kind of speaks volumes right there. Coming up, a coalition of authoritarianism. A Biden administration official reveals China and Iran are targeting people on American soil. That's if the authoritarian regimes perceive them as threats to their rules. The tactics ranging from physical assault to harassment and even assassination attempts. A look at who the victims are. Plus, the high-level APEC summit saw no shortages of discussion topics between the U.S. and China. What were the biggest takeaways from the two sides? We sat down with Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times, for more on what they talked about. Details after the break, here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Hiring agents to target people on U.S. soil. U.S. officials are calling out countries like China, Russia and Iran for the acts, stating that the authoritarian regimes are becoming more aggressive and more capable than ever before. What measures can be taken to counter them? Plus, a string of topics discussed during high-level U.S.-China talks. How should we read the event? To discuss, we sat down with Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be here. To begin, Biden administration officials are saying that both Iran and China are targeting individuals here in the U.S. What are we looking at here? Online harassment, physical? Oh, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, so we had uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray and then uh, Homeland Security Director uh, Alejandro Mayorkas both testifying before Congress yesterday. Uh, really talking about the extent to which uh, elements of the Iranian and Chinese communist regimes were reaching out to target both Americans and foreigners living on American soil. And that's for economic coercion. Uh, that's in some instances for kidnapping and forcible repatriation back to those countries if they were, say, dissidents who fled here. Uh, and in at least uh, two incidents, there were uh, assassination attempts by uh sort of murder for hire plots carried out by the Iranian regime against former Trump administration officials. And how widespread is this? Just a few cases, several? Oh, it's immense. It's immense. Uh, you had Director Ray saying that the FBI is actually currently conducting more than 2,000 criminal investigations into Chinese-linked uh, espionage plots in the United States. Uh, and there are investigations into that issue at every single FBI field office in the country. So it's it's a massive, massive problem. On that note, did they mention any solutions on the horizon? I don't I don't believe there are any solutions on the horizon other than uh, probably more funding for national security and intelligence agencies, which I know is everyone's uh, favorite uh, punching bag in Congress. Uh, but in, in reality, these are these are very uh, complex issues. There are things that are tied to ongoing international uh, crises. For example, we know the Iranian regime is probably going to increase uh, its use of proxies in the United States, for example, uh, the longer the Israel-Hamas war goes on because of U.S. support for Israel. And so there's all sorts of international incidents that could cause these regimes to push or pull a little bit harder or softer. Xi Jinping told Biden yesterday that planet Earth is big enough for the two countries to succeed. Now, Chinese Communist Party internal documents say something very different. How do you read those messages? We're both saying these things for the international community. Uh, we're trying to send a message to the international community that there can be stability. There doesn't have to be conflict. And I think that's in part positive. There is, of course, the uh, the hidden hand right of the Chinese Communist Party, that the Chinese Communist Party is very much actively seeking to undermine and ultimately displace the United States as the diplomatic, economic, and military leader of the world. It's trying to replace us as the uh, go-to partner in all of these domains, and particularly doing that by uh, catering to authoritarian regimes that otherwise can't fully interact in the international rules-based order. Uh, so we have a long way to go, and how much this is dependent on Xi Jinping or how much this requires some sort of uh, 
perhaps more long-term solution uh, with the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing uh, remains to be seen. And Andrew, on that note, President Biden called the meeting, quote, some of the most constructive and productive discussions we've had talking about Xi Jinping. And then he ended a press conference at night by again calling Xi Jinping a dictator. Where do you see the U.S.-China relationship going from here? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if we can give some credit to President Biden, I think he actually presented a uh, pretty coherent statement there at the end, you know, in response to that reporter's question. He not only reaffirmed that he did believe uh, Xi Jinping is a dictator, but said that that's because of the type of government the Chinese Communist Party has enforced or implemented over the Chinese people. He said there's simply no other term to call the leader of that system. In terms of where the relationship can go, you know, there is hope, I think, uh, however faint, that relations can be stabilized compared to where they are now. But again, like Biden calling these uh, very constructive talks, that's true, but the bar is so low. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Tiffany. It's a pleasure. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.